Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. I'm your host this week, Farmers Guardian Deputy Editor Olivia Midgley. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Subscribe through all your favourite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast, to ensure you stay up to date. This week, I'm taking a look at upland farming and the plethora of roles producers operating across these iconic landscapes have, balancing food production with important environmental work, while also serving as the bedrock of their communities. And in a week like this one, when we've got a raft of new announcements on the future of financial support for farming, I ask, will the hill farming life be forced to change? Well, to talk more about this, I've got two upland farmers on the line, Thomas Binns, who runs Swaledales as part of a 2,500 breeding sheep enterprise in the Forest of Boland area of Outstanding Natural Beauty in Lancashire. He's also Uplands Chairman for the NFU. And Rachel Lewis-Davis, who farms beef and sheep on the edge of the Brecon Beacons National Park. Now, Rachel and her team at NFU Cymru have been instrumental in a major new piece of research looking into the contribution of the Welsh Uplands and the sector's hopes and fears for the future. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk. Rachel, this piece of research from NFU Cymru really lays bare, doesn't it, the contribution of Welsh upland producers to the rural economy and also the national economy as well. Could you start by just taking us through some of those key headlines in there, please? The Vision for um, Welsh Upland Farming report that we published last week presents the findings of a survey that we, that took place over the course of the autumn, where we surveyed over 765 Welsh Upland farmers. And, and just to be clear to start, what do we mean by Upland farmers? Well, in, in the context of this survey, the Welsh Uplands means all the less favoured areas, so the LFA, which is about 80% of Wales is our farmland in fact and the survey sought to understand um, or to develop a deeper understanding of the contribution of Welsh upland farming to these to these um, really important areas it, it sought to understand um, what um, farmers identified as their concerns and threats but also the key asks that they had of policymakers for the future. So in terms of economic contribution I think it really reinforces the important role of Welsh upland farming. You know 70% of those surveyed identified that they employed between one and five people. 40% of those businesses had a turnover between £76,000 and £250,000. One third of those businesses were dealing directly with and supporting 21 to 50 other businesses. And one in 10, 10%, um, dealt with more than 51 businesses. We asked a question about farm business viability and what the upland farmers identified as threats and what was important. And 95%, the highest ranking score came from food production and sales. 95% of those farmers identified food production and sales as very or fairly important. 91% identified as direct support. 
and that fell then slightly to around two thirds who identified Glastia, which is the agri-environment scheme in Wales, as very fairly important and production grants, so the productivity measures that we have through the current RDP as very or fairly important, with um, approximately half of respondents identifying off-farm employment and diversified income as very important to the viability of their businesses. Of course, we know that farm diversification is very important in in rural areas, and 43% of those surveyed identified that they had diversified, and of the most popular diversification activities in the Welsh uplands of those surveyed was renewables and um, tourism. We also, um, because it's presented as a panacea, we also wanted to identify barriers to diversification. 70% identified resources, about two thirds identified the planning system actually as a barrier to taking forward diversification projects. And uh, a similar proportion, about 63% um, identified that time was a barrier. In terms of the environment, just over half, 54% are in Glastia, 80%, a massive number, 80% were undertaking action on their farms um, to deliver for the environment and a broad range of almost 70 actions, 70 separate actions were identified by those farmers participating. And I think it's also important to note under the environment was what was interesting in the comments received was that actually participants in the agri-environment scheme didn't always agree that the the prescriptions they were required to undertake through the scheme were in fact positive for the environment. You know, the 54% participation rate, um, there was always also a perception in the comments that there was a bit of a postcode lottery of support in terms of agri-environment scheme access and also a lack of opportunity to continue with um, glass deer entry, which of course has been de-emphasised by Welsh Government in recent years. And in terms of the non-farming benefits, Rachel, just talk us through those in terms of the contribution to the social fabric of life in those areas. Of course, we know upland farm businesses are really important in terms of culture, heritage, traditions, the language in Wales, and 83% of those surveyed um, actively um, participated in voluntary actions and activities within their community. And that ranged from local shows, the YFC movement, to involvement with their community council. A broad range of activities were detailed. And in in terms of, of the Welsh language, of course, Farming is, has the highest proportion of Welsh speakers of any sector in Wales, so it's a very, very important stronghold for um, the Welsh language. And 85% of uh, respondents to the survey indicated they had a high degree of proficiency in the Welsh language and over half were fluent Welsh speakers. What did farmers say were the immediate threats to their businesses and their communities? And I'm thinking particularly about Brexit here. In terms of threats and preparation for Brexit, we asked a specific question around that and and just over a quarter had identified that they had prepared for Brexit. They'd undertaken some actions to prepare for Brexit and a wide range of, of responses were received to that question, whether it was to actual production systems, more sheep, less sheep, more cattle, less cattle, genetics trying to improve the breeds of of livestock and improving live lambing percentages and so on another cohort um, were really focused on costs and reducing costs of production and reducing levels of borrowing in preparation 
for Brexit. Others had, as in the previous question, had looked to diversify um, whether into non-agricultural activities, but um, within agricultural activities into pigs, poultry, um, into dairy, contract rearing. So a wide range of responses to that specific question of preparation for Brexit. But I think it's important to note that some simply stated that with all the, the profound uncertainty that exists, it was just not possible to, to know what, what to do. So they were just sort of waiting to see. It sounds like such a comprehensive piece of research, Rachel. I mean, it, it's fantastic to see, isn't it? I mean, how does it, how does it make you guys at the union feel, you know, what do you, if you say, took, the, took a temperature check of, of upland farmers, you know, what do you think the kind of feeling is on the ground? You know, is it that, you know, there's, there's a lot of obviously concern in there, but obviously opportunities as well. Definitely. I think, it was a very strong survey. There's a, a very large number of respondents and a huge body of evidence to consider when pulling together what is quite a, a summarised uh, report. So there was a, a sense of huge responsibility to convey the feelings, convey the, the, the thoughts of those who were taking the time to respond to the survey. Definitely reinforced, I think, um, some of the key asks around um, that, that we have had as a union in terms of future policy around those measures to reinforce stability, the continuation of a BPS, some sort of direct payment, but also around um, balanced policy objectives. So, you know, what we have in Wales is proposal for a sustainable farming scheme, which is largely focused on the delivery of environmental outcomes. I think the survey really reinforces the view that policy needs to consider much broader objectives. So the ability of farmers to make a reasonable living, the continued supply of safe, high quality, affordable food, culture, language, landscape, as well as the delivery of environmental goods that future policy proposals are, are seeking to achieve yeah and Thomas Binns just to bring you in here this report is is based on Welsh producers but the points it raises particularly about that wider contribution socially economically they're mirrored across the UK aren't they do, do you think that policymakers really understand the unique nature of farming in the uplands and what would you say are the real pinch points in terms of this overhaul of farming policy that we're seeing at the moment bearing in mind the new funding arrangements that have started to come out this week well first of all can i commend nfu cymru for such a, a detailed and timely report on activities within the less favored area we have quite a lot of commonality in england's lfa and uh, the detail here is, is pretty comprehensive and it's important to understand just how important upland communities are in terms of the fabric and, and network that they bring to what are often remote parts of the islands. And I think the uh, recent announcements around policy have cause for concern for many farmers and particularly around the uh, changes to the BPS scheme which is going to unwind itself over the next few years, starting in 2021. And I think BPS, whilst it has its many critics, has covered an awful lot of the cracks around farming uh, and covers up and masks an awful lot of things that farmers take and do for as part of their day-to-day -day work, which have never been rewarded for. But they continue to do it because they, they receive and it's part of what they do. Once that is stripped away, then there's less opportunity for farmers to be able to do things out of a natural course of community. 
Uh, and I think there's a real challenge that um, these businesses faces, particularly some of the larger businesses, when you start to look at the stark um, impact of uh, the winding down of basic payment scheme, and particularly with no clarity on what any new and future schemes bring forward in detail. Whilst we have timelines, we and we're starting to understand the impact of the, the negative side to all this, we're yet to see where the opportunities lie, in particular some of the schemes that have been talked about. And Thomas, bearing all that in mind, would you say those who manage the Uplands day to day, who absolutely underpin that social fabric, are being listened to? Are your voices as farmers being heard? There's a certain amount of empathy with that statement, but I think livestock sector per se, wherever that sits, uh, in the Uplands and Lowlands look very vulnerable to the, the policy changes that have been recently announced. That said, when the pound is placed at the top of the hill, it invariably rolls down into many people's hands as it filters its way through the rural economy. Uh, and, and I suspect there will be uh, pinch points where you know the, the, the fewer pounds that there are to spend by the farmer will be felt right across the community. There's been so much talk about the future of hill farming over the last few years. Surely those in the uplands have knowledge of those ecosystems and the best place to help shape environmental schemes. Do you think your voices are being heard on that front? Yeah, there's been a... a, um, The voice is heard, um, but is invariably drowned out by those that want something completely different. And and, and activity both, both from a food producing point of view and an environmental and biodiversity point of view is not a binary choice in the uplands. It is a choice of both. Both can live in harmony against it, uh, alongside each other. But I think there are many people see the uplands as, uh, as something that they can afford to sacrifice to the environmental agenda uh, and, and, and ignore the uh, and, and do down the food producing capacity of the uplands. And that would be a tragedy of all this, um, that the farming networks that, that the uplands often hold together are the delivery vehicle of the policy direction of the future. And I think if we damage it in the short term, and there is potential with these recent policy announcements to damage the very fabric of the delivery vehicle that people will want to see in place. There's nothing in my view um, a better insurance policy than, than, than the monies that we've seen come into the uplands in the past. It's farmers that get up to produce food and look after the environment. They're the key people to deliver future policy. And we must do all we can to make sure that their voice is heard and that delivery vehicle is as protected as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Rachel, do you want to come in on that, bearing in mind that we heard in the spending review that uh, Welsh funding uh, funding for agriculture has been cut for next year. Yes, and I'll, I'll come on to the issue of the of the comprehensive spending review in, in a moment, if I may. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's important to recognise or just remind everybody that um, agriculture, the environment, these are um, uh, policy areas that are devolved in Wales. And, and through the survey, we did ask actually a specific question uh, uh, on how... Um, participants rated um, future policy proposals for the sustainable farming scheme. And a a really interesting um, stat, 18% rated it as very good or fairly good, but more than double that figure, 37% um, 
rated the future scheme as poor or very poor. So it's very, very clear our Welsh Government has got an awful lot of work to do to gain the confidence of the farming community in the uplands over future policy proposals. And I think a jury is still very much out on the extent to which um, a scheme, the Sustainable Farming Scheme, which predominantly pays for the delivery of environmental action to deliver environmental outcomes for society, the extent to which that can deliver important economic, social, cultural outcomes alongside um, uh, producing food. And I'll, I'll make a further point. What came through very strongly in the survey was that actually um, there was a perception that there was this um, misunderstanding or a lack of understanding um, between farmers and policymakers. There was this uh, a, a, a strong perception that the expertise of farmers who know their farms, who know um, these landscapes, um, perhaps perhaps um, that that expertise wasn't wasn't um, valued to the extent that it could be. Um, and, and I think the big emphasis on um, livestock production in, in the uplands, of course, the, the, these areas are challenged in terms of their climate and their topography, the, the costs are higher. And the livestock farming actually provides an economic rationale for the delivery of the wider benefits that these, these, these businesses fulfil in, in these upland areas. Um, just moving on to the, the, the comprehensive spending review, because you've touched on it, uh, if I may. Um, in terms of, uh, this is a hugely complex area, but in terms of equivalent levels of funding, what do we mean at NFU Cymru? Well, we've been absolutely clear throughout this process that, that equivalent levels of funding means the uh, full value of the basic payment scheme. It means, um, the funding in complete funding of the domestic RDP the, um, from, from 21 onwards and it also means the full spend of the RDP 2014 to 2020 which allows expenditure under the rules um, up until the end of 2023 in line with the regulations and I think it, we have to be clear that had we remained within the EU the unspent funds of the current RDP 2014-2020 would not be being de be, be deducted from the next. Um, so, you know, that's not to say we haven't got concerns with the operation of the RDP in Wales. We've long called for an independent inquiry, but it is the, a reality that Welsh farmers are going to be suffering from a funding shortfall as a result of this um, political fallout at what is a very pivotal time for the for the industry i think you know we've set out very clearly this is this is a really momentous time with a huge amount of uncertainty around um around brexit what future deals um compounded by covid you know the industry is in in a really um uncertain time and we're absolutely clear that that basic payment scheme must be um protected and the survey clearly reflects that ask absolutely and that's and that's so clear Rachel thank you um the uplands often finds itself doesn't it at the heart of the rewilding debate and we've certainly reported for a long time at FG those who seem intent on stripping livestock from the hills in favor of environmental agendas is do you think there's space for both and and how how do you make it it work going forward Rachel do you want to come in on that um, I think rewilding as a term has now become quite emotive. 
um, and, and the survey really emphasises that, you know, two thirds of upland farmers are worried about land use change, whether that's large scale afforestation, we've really high tree planting targets in Wales, you know, those farmers uh, want to be part of the solution to climate change, but it's about integrating it into farming systems and not replacing them. And, and I think, again, the rewilding debate is, is, is similar, you know, farmers are very proud of what they're delivering for the environment alongside their food production role, alongside supporting rural communities, and uh, they do see um, rewilding as a threat. And I think part of the premise of undertaking this work in the first place was actually to give a voice to the people who live and work in these areas, um, rather than a view and narrative being allowed to develop, which is one fundamentally imposed from outside. I think there's, there's that strong sense. So, um, so, so yes, I think rewilding is, is definitely a concern, but I think there is a way that, you know, taking some of the emotive language out of it, you know, upland farms are very well placed to deliver all of the outcomes society wants to see, but not being replaced. And Thomas, what are your thoughts on this growing pressure around uh, seemingly on, you know, this destocking agenda? I just wonder with the drop in farm support, um, you know, do you think there's a chance that rewilding could happen almost unintendedly because farmers may abandon land? I'm on the record a number of times of, of saying how Auckland farming, as we currently understand it, is under, under threat by a number of stealth activities and, and rewilding is one and, and also the ambition to uh, unnecessarily put trees in the wrong place for the future. So I think that if we don't watch it by stealth, we will see a significant change in land use and, and, and to the detriment of, of farming and, I would say, the rural, rural communities. However, that said, I think over the last sort of 12, 18 months, some of the narrative around this is starting to change. And, and rewilding, and I concur with Rachel, that rewilding is, uh, it needs to be rebranded and renamed because all the, all the stuff that I'm seeing done in the name of rewilding is in, in fact enhanced conservation. Uh, and people are wanting to interfere with the management of areas, not necessarily in the truest sense, leave it to rewilding. But I want to just say this, and I think, the, I think some of the old agenda from the environmentalists around biodiversity and rewilding at, at, at the extreme points is now being trumped by the new carbon agenda. And I think it's absolutely imperative and farmers are, are locking into the concept that they must do things differently in order to help achieve the net zero ambition of, of the agricultural industry and the overall ambition of the country uh, in, in the next in the decades to follow. And I think whilst there will be places that uh, fit uh, in with enhanced conservation, people will have to look to how we produce food in a more productive way that is sustainable and does enhance our landscapes and our local communities by doing so. So I think the new carbon, the new net zero agenda trumps much of what has gone before. And I think it, it is somewhat an exciting time to be in farming. Like I say before, we've got to be very careful. We don't have our, uh, a destabilized uh, upland farming system through the current changes. And I would applaud that policymakers take heed that stability is crucial uh, as we go through this transition period. 
and not to adopt policies that have the risk of undermining the delivery vehicle of the car net zero carbon agenda. I think I would echo a lot of what um, Thomas has said. Um, I, I think he makes some very valid points. You know, we are the delivery force to deliver the environmental outcomes that society is seeking but we need an economic rationale in these areas. And I think at this stage is a lack of confidence that um, a de-emphasizing of food production um, is, is, is going to provide sufficient economic rationale for, for farming to continue in these areas. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're very well placed to produce high quality protein, the most climate friendly food in the, in the world, um, high quality protein off grass. That's, our, that's what we're very, very good at. And actually to de-emphasize food production in these areas is simply to offshore it somewhere else out of sight, out of mind, where environmental standards in all likelihood are going to be lower. So it's not a sustainable position for governments to take. Well, those messages are really loud and clear there. Thank you to you both, Rachel and Thomas, for speaking to me. And thank you to you, our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the show. We will, of course, be back with you soon with more. In the meantime, why not subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate? Until next week, from us at FG and the CLA, Thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.